So this morning, uh, what I wanted to do was talk about uh, something that I actually think is really crucial, that as followers of Jesus that we kind of continuously come back to and think about and talk about and weigh up. And that, from the title, as you've guessed, is the cost of following Jesus. Um, what does that look like? What does the cost look like of following him? Uh, you know, to be committed to anything in our lives, whether it's a hobby or a sport or, you know, uh, to a relationship or anything, uh, it actually costs us something. It always costs us something. It can be our finances, can be our time, can be a whole number of things. And for those who are following Jesus, he says that there's actually a real cost in doing so. And we're going to look this morning at what Jesus had to say about that cost, what he said it actually costs to follow him. And it's some quite radical words. And we're going to open those up together this morning. But I hope this morning that as we do this, as we talk about it, as we open up Jesus' words to us, I hope that actually God really challenges you uh, with with what Jesus had to say to his disciples. So look, Uh, I'd like to just pray real quickly before we actually jump into this, because what I really hope is that actually Jesus just speaks to you this morning through his word. So before I read the scripture, uh, which is in Luke 14, 25 to 33, I really just want to pray real quick. So Father, just thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for scripture. We thank you for the account of your life, Jesus. Uh, But Lord, I just pray that this morning we would have open hearts and open ears to receive from you and to be challenged by you. Uh, Lord, um, I really believe that you want to intercede in people's lives this morning. And whether they follow you or not, whether uh, they've been following you uh, for 30 years, Lord, or their whole lives, Lord, I pray that you would bring fresh challenge to each and every one of us this morning. Amen. Amen. So we're going to read Luke 14 uh, from 25. It says, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate their father and mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. So I guess if you're anything like me, the first time you read this, I'm kind of like, wow, Jesus, what, what is going on here? Like, this doesn't sound like you. I'm a little bit confused by your words. Jesus, are you telling me to hate my family? Are you telling me to hate myself? Like, surely that's counter what the gospel says. Um, That just doesn't sound right. It doesn't almost smell like the gospel that I know and love. And well, let's talk about what what hate is for us today. What does that word mean in our culture, in our context today? 
And the definition definition of hate would would be it is defined as viciously to despise or to wish harm to somebody, uh, either someone that you know, members of your family, and that just doesn't seem right. And when you read that, you can be like, wow, like I don't know if I even want to follow Jesus, if that's the Jesus that I have to follow, like someone who's telling me I have to hate even my own parents. And if you if your parents are anything like mine, I'm kind of like, I actually really like my parents. They're nice people. So why would I want to hurt them or, or hate them? Verse 26, I'll read it again. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and his wife and his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life cannot be my disciple. So if if we don't hate our family and our own lives, we can't be his disciple. That surely doesn't seem right. But what does Jesus mean? Does Jesus mean we're supposed to have this real hatred for our parents? Because I don't know about you, um, but I read the rest of the gospel message and that just doesn't line up. It's all about forgiveness and love and honoring and serving. So what's going on here? Well, it's really important, as with anywhere in the Bible, that we do not take the short uh, couple of verses and take it out of context. Because actually, the word used here actually is going to speak more about our priorities and wisdom rather than actual real hatred. Um, it's not really hate in our modern understanding of the word. So in terms of context, first, Jesus, what is he doing here? Well, he's teaching his disciples, I guess, like any good teacher would do, and like he is doing to you and me today, he starts with a statement of truth that is hard to understand, but it's designed to get you and me really thinking, like really deep down. Jesus is is trying through these difficult words to to get us to really think and get a grasp and a hold of what it really truly costs to be his disciple. And then fortunately for us, he will go on to clarify those really difficult words. He he talks about these two metaphors. One, a man who wants to build a tower and he doesn't count the cost and he builds, he starts to build this tower, doesn't have enough money to finish it. So people are ridiculing him and laughing at him and he's become a joke, right? Because he, he didn't think about it properly. And the second one is similar, a king who wears up, I can't beat that guy's 20,000 men with my 10,000 men. Um, So he counts the cost before he enters into it. And Jesus explains this really difficult statement to us. And he's saying, listen, as my disciple, you must, must count the cost and understand that there is a real cost to following me. In order to meet my disciple, Jesus is saying, you must be willing to give up everything. To have a complete overhaul of your priorities. And that's what this word is speaking into. That's what Jesus is speaking into here. He's speaking into your priorities. Even if it means that our parents will not choose to follow Jesus too, or they disown you for choosing to follow Jesus, we still must choose to put Jesus first in our lives. And he's teaching that this is all a matter, to choose to follow him is all a matter of where you're going to put your priorities. And in this sense, we're hating our family, our family members who reject Jesus or reject us because of Jesus. The danger is when we, when we pull this out of context, of course, and, 
And you can do this with all different passages in the Bible. I, I often, you know, pull out the point that the Bible says there is no God, right? Um, but it actually says, for a fool says in his heart there is no God. So when the Bible is pulled out of context, it can become a really dangerous thing. And we need to keep this in, in context, otherwise it can be really misunderstood. Because actually the truth is, the gospel message is not to hate your family, it is to love them. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everything that love is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. This is only one of many, many passages where God commands us first to love. And, and even those who reject Jesus or reject you, we were still called to love them. And when people choose to turn away from their family, from their family's priorities, and when they turn away from their family's God, and you know, you think about Muslims in this scenario, many, many Muslims who turn away from Islam and turn towards Jesus, and they reject the God of their family. Um, actually, the truth is, is that that is seen as a hateful thing. It's not seen as something they've done in love but yet they, they, they are called to Jesus. They're called to be his disciple. And in this way, Jesus is saying at some points, it will come across as hate. That's the type of hate that he's talking about. Jesus should be our first priority. And he said, even when it's received as hate, he should still be the one that we follow. He should still be placed more highly than other people and other things in our lives. And we must love him more than our very own lives. And that sometimes is where things can get really difficult. You know, are we willing to prioritize Jesus, not only just over other people and other relationships, but actually over ourselves, over what we want in our lives, the way that we see our lives working out. To truly follow Jesus, it means that he has to become everything to us just everything. And to truly follow Jesus really means that I have to count the cost of what that's going to cost me, what that means to me. The plans that I have for me and my family, where, where I want to live, where my kids go to school, how much money will I have in my bank account, the car that I will drive, the, the, the person that I will marry, that, you know, that where I want to invest my time, where I want to invest my money, what I want to do when I retire. All of these things, all of your plans, when we truly follow Jesus, they get completely turned upside down and they can go right out the window. And, you, you know, for me personally, truly following Jesus, choosing to count the cost and still say, yeah, I still want to follow you, it actually meant for my wife and I to pack everything up in England and to give all of it away and to move across to a different continent, to move, you know, if you ask Jenny, was that part of your plans in your life to move to Canada to lead a church, you know, here in Owen Sound? It absolutely was not part of our plans. But the truth is, is that when Jesus says to do something, it doesn't matter what it costs, we are called to follow him. But you see, to truly pursue him, I often describe it, you'll have to forgive me, but I've used this metaphor a few times, 
But, it, but I keep coming back to it because to truly follow Jesus, it's almost like if you've ever swum, uh, swam in a river um, and you get into the river and it can be a fast flowing river. And even just to stay in the same place in the river, to not be swept away by the current is actually a lot of work. To swim, to stay in the same place can be a lot of work. And, 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 even, and when you think about swimming against the current, to swim up the river, I think that's my best definition of what it is to follow Jesus every day, to swim against the current, to swim against uh, the power that's moving towards you and to say, no, I'm moving this way towards Jesus. And the temptation is so often to just kind of go, it costs too much, it's too hard to do, and just to allow the river to take you downstream. And even to stay in the same place, it sometimes feels like a lot of work to stay in that place of relationship with Jesus, let alone progressing up the river. It's really difficult to do. Paul, the apostle, would go on to describe uh, following Jesus to, to really following him with everything you have. He describes it like a race. It's like a test of our endurance. It's not easy to keep going. And sometimes it is easier just to let the river take you and to float downstream. But notice what Jesus is saying here. Following me, he never ever promises it's going to be easy. Never. In fact, he promises the opposite. He does say that it's going to cost you everything. Because everything has to become second place to him. It will not be easy, but it will be worth it. It will be the best decision you ever make. And you will truly learn when you give everything to him, when you make everything second place to him, he, you will truly start to learn and, and, and understand what he meant when he says, I come to give life and life to the full. Jesus wants to do more in your life than you can ever comprehend or imagine. Just look at the story of the Bible. Look at the people who chose to swim upstream against the tide and it was hard, absolutely it was hard, but God accomplishes so much through them. Noah, he gives, God gives him this strange assignment to build this huge ark. And you can imagine the funny looks he was getting from his neighbors, right? Like when he, he is the call of God to do this and to build this ark. And yet through him, God preserved human life on earth. Moses, with a deep sense of inadequacy and a speech impediment, he became a liberator of an entire nation of people, a lawgiver and a leader of the Israelite nation. Deborah, despite her being a woman who was not respected in her day, God used her to lead his army to many victories over their enemies. You think girl power was invented by the Spice Girls? I promise you it wasn't. It was way before that. God did it. Esther, she was young and foreign and she lived um, where she lived. And God uses her and, and, and makes her queen and then rescues his people through her from an evil plot. To Morphe, Mary Magdalene, she was possessed by demons when she met Jesus. But he, she was healed and she became a full-on follower of Jesus. And Jesus appears to her as, as, as in his resurrected body and chooses her to go and share the news of his resurrection, the good news. Paul, the Apostle Paul, we've already talked about him, a fierce and bitter enemy of Jesus. I mean, this guy, he held the courts of people who were killing Christians. Like he was delighted in the fact that Christians were being killed. And yet God 
um, uses him. He, he comes into his life and he uses him to be the most outspoken, sold out for Jesus preacher the world has ever seen. When we choose to follow Jesus with everything that we have, it doesn't matter where we've come from, what we've done. It, what matters is what Jesus wants to do through you and in your life. Not all of us are going to be world changers. Not all of us are going to be remembered as have, have books written about us. That's never going to be the case. But the work that Jesus wants to do in you and through you, I promise you, he can use you to just change one person's world, to speak to one person, to make history in just one person's life, if we're willing and if we allow it. So I want to finish with two questions that I felt we're right for the end of this talk and that I just felt God wanted to challenge you with this week. And I hope that they're practical things that you can truly think about, truly reflect on. And, and they all tie into, am I truly choosing to follow Jesus every day? The first question that I have, and it's a difficult one for this year, is are you embracing laziness? Are you indulging in laziness? Have you been binge watching Netflix too much, whatever it is, are you indulging in laziness? Only you know if there's more that you could be doing to truly love people the way that Jesus has loved you. In the church, in your neighborhood, in your family, in the life of others, maybe it's your wife or your husband that you could be reaching out more to. Maybe it's your children who you could be spending more time with and turn the screens off. Because if you're checked out, um, you tend to know that you're checked out. You tend to know that you're indulging in laziness. If so, I believe God wants to ask you this morning that Jesus is reaching out to you and he's saying, check back in. God is looking to use you in ways that you could never imagine. We need you. The church needs you. Your family needs you. There's a broken world out there that needs you. The, the TV, the, the smartphone, the, your video games, the golf course, they will not miss you, I promise you. They will not miss you. But the church does. The broken do. Your family does. The second question is this. Are you demonstrating a devotion to Jesus in your life. And I'm not just talking about singing here. I'm not just talking about, you know, singing in your car on the way to work. I'm not talking about, you know, writing it down in your journal. Or I'm not even just talking about reading your Bible here. I'm talking about giving. Giving generously, like giving till it hurts. Not just your money, but your time, your knowledge, your, your skills and your love. Devote your time and attention into people, in, into ministries, in, into causes that really need you. And listen, Jesus asks everything from us. And why does he have the right to do that? Well, because he's given you everything. He didn't withhold even his own life from you. He was willing to be sacrificed in order that you can truly live. And now he's asking you to put your plans aside in order to be obedient to the Father, just as he was. As he sat there in the garden of Gethsemane, 
He knows he's about to be killed in this humiliating public killing. But worse than that, he would be separated from his father. And what does Jesus say in that moment? Not my will, Father, but yours, your will. And he did it for you and for me. Jesus was the ultimate example of what a life looks like when we are obedient and we put God before everything else in our lives, when we've truly weighed up the cost and we're truly devoted, when we truly give God everything that we have. And now he's calling you to do the same. Let me just finish by praying. Father, I thank you so much for sending your son to be that example to each and every one of us, to do what we could never do. And Lord, now you're calling us to do the same, to be obedient to you, to put you first over our own wants, dreams, visions, desires, to put you as number one, Lord. Father, I thank you that you don't ask us to do this alone. Lord, we're not doing this in our own strength. It's a daily battle to swim upstream. But Lord, you send your spirit to be within us, to, we are his temple. And Lord, you, you are, are gonna do amazing things through us and in us. But Lord, we wanna submit our lives to you and we wanna ask you just to come and, uh, and have your way, Lord. Lord, maybe we haven't submitted to you in a long time. Maybe we've been off doing our own thing, making our own plans, buying our own things, whatever it is, Lord. But Father, before you again this morning, we want to say, no, not my will, Lord, but yours. Jesus, if we've been challenged this morning, I pray that we would be proactive and reactive to what you're saying. Help us not to take it lightly, Lord. Help us not just to go, yeah, I need to pay attention to that and then forget about it all week. But actually, no, to say, Lord, I'm going to come to you in prayer and I'm going to come to you humbly and repent of where I've followed my own plans and desires and choose you again this morning. I've weighed up the cost and I'm saying, Jesus, you're worth it. You're worth the cost. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen.